Welcome to another informative episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. We have a creative director from the advertising agency SMANYC, Mr. Martin Schneider in the heart of Manhattan. Doesn't matter how good the words are, if visually it doesn't really make sense or it's too cluttered or it's not clear, and it doesn't matter how breathtaking the visuals are, if, if in some sense the messages aren't being conveyed. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? What is it supposed to do? The advertising campaign, it's easy to think, oh, you know what would be a funny ad? This. Well, how do you evaluate that if you don't know what it's supposed to make people think or feel? We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me as always is your other host, Fred Keating. Fred is in Vancouver, Canada. I'm on the other side of the Rocky Mountains, and our special guest today is in New York City. Fred, tell us who we have. We have a creative director from the advertising agency SMANYC, Mr. Martin Schneider, is with us today. He's a, a creative director, as I mentioned, but also a principal with that particular agency. A small, some might call it a boutique agency right in the heart of Manhattan. And as that is often known as right in the heart of the advertising industry as well, we thought we would share with our listeners today some inside information about careers in advertising. So, Martin, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Hello, Marvin. Hello, Fred. How are you guys? So far, so good. <laughs> Tell us, what exactly is the role of a creative director inside an advertising agency? And what is the definition of a principal? Uh, you're a creative director and principal at SMA. NYC. What does that imply? Sure. Well, creative director has a lot more to it. Uh, every advertising agency is really broken up into a few main departments, those being the account group who generally handle all the business contacts and, and kind of everything, the media group that deals with media buying, placing, and all that kind of stuff. And then the creative department which is what it's actually called in an advertising agency, the, the creative department who creates the ads or the anything that people are, are creating these days. The, the creative director or creative directors are simply the people in charge of that. Uh, at a very large agency, uh, you might have an executive creative director followed by some other kind of creative directors, associate creative directors, down to the people who are at the bottom of that group. Here at a somewhat smaller agency, creative director, I guess I am a co-executive creative director, so we are, we are the ones charged with actually creating the whatever people are going to see or read or hear uh, or experience in, in any way does uh, come out of the creative department in one way or another. So creative director, I, I play a, a, lead, a lead role in that. Uh, principal is much less interesting. I'm, I'm one of three people who own uh, this agency. A little history, we, we were actually founded as Cider and Miller Advertising in 1990. I have been here uh, eight or nine years, and just a couple of years ago, three of us, uh, as expected, took over the firm and, and very gently renamed it SMA for Cider Miller Advertising. 
which really was a signal to the clients that uh, we're, we're different, but we're really not that different. We're, we're, we're pretty much the same. It's not, it's not a whole new thing. The same exact people who've been working on your accounts for the last eight or 10 years are, are exactly who are going to be uh, handling it going forward. So, so that's what I mean by principle. Now, Martin, tell us your backstory. How did you decide to get into advertising and, and what was your career path? Sure. I think like many creative people, the career path is, is not a, a typical one. My two first bosses, one of them had been a butcher and one of them had been an on-air news radio guy. So you never quite know what, what path it's going to take. <laughs> I, um, I was always a, a word person. I, I, I love words. I'm fascinated by words. My, my parents tell me I played an awful lot of Scrabble as a, as a kid, sometimes even playing by myself. That's kind of weird, maybe. So the butcher was the person who edited your words. Is that correct? <laughs> maybe he just slaughtered them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I came out of college, like a lot of people, having absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. I, I was, of all things, a, a philosophy major. And uh, quite a few years away from that, I probably have some good insight into what that into what that offered, but I, I was not a creative writing major. I did not really think of myself as a creative person. My parents were not really creative people, and I guess I thought I, while I was always attracted to it, I never really thought I kind of had it in me to be a great creative person or who could, who could possibly do this at, the, at this kind of level, you know, create ads that people are going to see on TV or on billboards or, or any of a million places these days, I guess I never really thought I had it in me. My odd path was because I was very good at words. One of the things I was always very good at was, was oddly crossword puzzles. And my, my first foray was I started submitting crossword puzzles to the New York times and then started having them accepted by the New York times. And, and that was easily the beginning of, of my creative career where I was creating things, making things, word-based things that were actually out there in the world being, in this case, solved by people or done by people. And really from that, I got a sense for, boy, I would really like to do this with my life. And making crossword puzzles isn't going to pay anyone's bills. So, so eventually it, it worked its way to advertising. That's the quick story anyway. Did you go back for any sort of specific training once you identified that as a possible avenue? Yeah, that's a that's a whole other story. I was I was doing something completely different when I decided I really needed to go to business school, and so I was getting my MBA at a school here in New York, and was increasingly disillusioned with what I was being trained to be, which was a consultant or investment banker or something like that. While I was getting my MBA, I actually went to a very simple school compared to the MBA school anyway, a School of Visual Arts here, and took some very, very straightforward classes in copywriting to get a sense of what it was all about. And these classes were simple and straightforward. They were the kind of classes where you met once a week, you had an assignment, everyone would put their assignment on the wall and people would comment on it. It was very simple, but very, very accurate to what things are like in the, in the real world of advertising. It's a lot of putting your stuff on the proverbial wall and having people just comment away. It's, it's, it's not for everybody. At this point, Martin, were you thinking, hey, I could earn a living at this? You know, it really was, it's from those classes. They, the first class I took, it started off at about 20 people and maybe through the, the bold critique that some people were comfortable with and others were not, the class dropped to a, maybe eight, eight people after just a few weeks. But I, I did get a sense for the stuff I was putting on the wall was 
kind of kind of good. And and hearing people react to it, and it's actually very very telling to hear what other people think. And sometimes where I I thought people would react one way and they'd react totally differently, or people people wouldn't get it. You know, it's it's pretty interesting when everyone doesn't get something. You have to admit to yourself, well, it's probably not really that good then if everyone doesn't get it. It's a kind of a populist medium we're working with here. So that's when I thought maybe I had something. And from that point, I learned that the way to get a job in advertising as a creative person was to put together what they call a spec portfolio of essentially fake ads and things. And this is just the kind of thing we were working on in this class, and I wound up taking two of those classes. Uh, what was interesting was, was I left those classes thinking I had maybe 25 or 30 really great spec ads, really excellent ones that people were going to like. And then I started bouncing them off people who are actually in the industry, friends of friends and, and, and whatnot. And, and from 30, I actually found that, that, that I only had two <laughs> that were going to make it. And so I spent the better part of a of a year putting together a spec portfolio and eventually managed to get in front of the right person who took a chance on me as a, as a kind of a young person. And there we go. So welcome to the big leagues, kid, sort of. <laughs> uh, that gap between great training uh, within educational institutions, no matter how effective it may be, and the way the real world works in that particular industry. Were these visual as well as copywriting, the, the portfolio pieces? Because you mentioned it was a visual arts uh, school as well. Yeah, it's funny. You know, all creative departments are broadly divided into word people, generally called copywriters, and visual people, generally called art directors. And I think those are the two types of brains that, that need to be populated, uh, that need to populate every every creative department and really work on every assignment with the possible exception of, of radio. Some people, I guess, have both skills to some, some degree. I always just loved Gary Larson, the cartoonist, because he was just so good at both aspects of it. But I think that's, that's really the exception. And the vast majority of people are people like me who, who either have a word brain or who have a visual or design brain. And in making my spec portfolio, the key actually was to find that other brain and to find a, an art director, an aspiring art director who was looking to create a portfolio in the same kind of way. And that's a match that, that really gets people going once you find that, that other person and you're both working toward creating portfolios, but you're each working from a different side of the, of the equation. Now, Martin, for those people who eventually want to become a creative director as, as part of their own aspirations, as part of their own career path. Now, do those people typically come from the picture side or the word side? I would say it's equal, equally both. And in, in our agency here, I am a co-creative director along with a person who is exactly like me in every way, except he has the visual brain. And we're at the same level. We make the same money. We Everything is the same. We just approach it from a fundamentally different way. And he's got his people and I've got my people. So equally. As far as great copywriters throughout history, my sense is they really came from both sides. Uh, David Ogilvy and, and Bill Burnback, I think they were totally from the word side. But Lee Clow and, and some of these other people were from the visual side. And I think that the two sides are equally important and you're equally likely to get people from both sides. And I obviously can speak much more to, to what it takes to be on the, on the word side of, of the game. But uh, 
huge amount of respect for the, for the visual people and actually is kind of wonderful and amazing to work with people who see a problem so fundamentally differently than I do. And, and whereas I see and think in words, they see and think visually. And it's, it's really just an amazing thing to, to work in that. And I think it's long established in advertising now, probably 50 years that the, the basic unit of creating just about anything is one copywriter and one art director working on something together. And, and that's been my experience too, that that, that that group of two, not necessarily the big brainstorm and not necessarily one, but, but two really seems to be the magic number for producing uh, just about anything. And Martin, your role as a creative director, would that be considered the pinnacle position in an advertising agency? Yeah, from the creative side, I guess the only way it would get bigger would be to work at larger agencies. And there's all kinds of pluses and minuses of working at, at larger agencies. Yeah. So creative director or at a large agency, it would be called executive creative director. I know I'm probably being affected by the fact that you're near Broadway. It sounds, the collaboration you describe sounds very much like a successful uh, composer and lyricists teams in terms of big Broadway musicals or writers and editors who, again, uh, for want of a better term, complete each other. One can't function successfully, really, uh, without the other. That's exactly my experience, that it doesn't matter how good the words are, if visually it doesn't really make sense or it's too cluttered or it's not clear, and it doesn't matter how breathtaking the visuals are if if in some sense the messages aren't being conveyed. I think there are plenty of examples of things that are just words and plenty of examples of things that are just visuals, but the vast majority are some combination of those two things. In the case of TV ads, few do not have either some words on the screen or some kind of voiceover person. In the case of print or digital advertising, it's almost inevitably a combination of of those two things. And then as you say, with the, the personal dynamic, or maybe you didn't quite say this, but the personal dynamic of two is really, is really kind of interesting. We, we do occasionally have group brainstorming sessions and the dynamics of that are, are tough. People throwing out ideas and that kind of works, but everyone's a little bit more self-conscious whose ideas were good, whose ideas are people wanting to kind of jump all over and whose ideas are, are, are kind of falling by the wayside is a little stranger when you're dealing with a big group. But something about two is really just kind of the perfect number where I have an idea, someone responds to it, they have a different way of thinking about it, that gets me thinking about differently. That is really interesting. And in my experience, most stuff is done in, in some combination of people working a bit on their own, bringing it to the table of the, that unit of two going through it like that, seeing how the other person reacts, and then ultimately that's where it tends to really take form and take shape as, as something real. After a while, eventually, anybody's work is, is shown to the creative directors who probably will have some input, uh, account and strategy people and, and clients, and lots of people get involved in lots of kind of ways, but still the basic thing, I think, is created in that, in that group of two, that creating something from nothing, uh, that, that unit of two is, is really kind of magical. You see, Marvin, I, I've been telling you that for months now. It takes two. Okay, I'm just, I'm just making a point here before I ask my next question. I don't even know what your point is. My point is, if we're still speaking to each other after this interview, and we decide we want a big media campaign for monetizing your creativity, this little podcast series, and we show up at the doors of uh, SMA NYC, who would be the, the first person we'd run into, Martin? Uh, would it be... 
the uh, an account manager and before the creative team swings into action or or do we meet with creative people right off the bat and are assigned somebody who's going to hold our hand through the process how does that work from the from the client end well that's a great question and that's a big big question certainly the first person you meet with would be a, an account person uh, at SMA because we are small and because I have principal in my title. I probably would be in the room at the same time. But the, the first discussion is certainly not going to be a creative one. And that actually may be news to people. There's a, a question I love to ask at the beginning of any relationship, any project, any ad, any anything. And that, what is it supposed to do? The advertising campaign supposed to do? It's easy to think, oh, you know what would be a funny ad? This. Well, how do you evaluate that if you don't know what it's supposed to make people think or feel? But certainly everything we do is trying to persuade someone of something or convince someone to think differently in some way about something. And so before you know who you're trying to convince and what you're trying to convince them of, I don't really see how you can begin to think about what the creative should be. The creative doesn't exist like art. It exists to cut through a world of messages and other things people are being bombarded with to try to get people to notice something or if they've already known about something to think about it in a different way. There's a lot in that. It's different for every product and service. It's different for every kind of thing you're talking about. And before you have those things worked out, it's pointless to, to start thinking about what you want to say or what you want to show or what colors you want, all that kind of stuff. It's what is, what is the advertising or the promotion or whatever you're trying to do, trying to do. What's its purpose? Martin, a bit of a devil's advocate question then, if you don't mind. You know, for young people who have that sort of creative talent and they're thinking, you know what, I just... I'm, I never want to get into advertising. That's selling out. What, what do you say to those thoughts? Uh, well, I guess it would depend on what kind of advertising you're, you're doing. Boy, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a pure artist, or in the case of writer, I'm, a, I'm purely a novelist, do I want to think that I'm using my stuff to advance the cause of some product or service or organization or whatever? I guess that's different for everybody. I like the idea that what I'm doing helps to shape the world. I don't think I'd feel too good if my client were cigarettes, but that doesn't seem to be much of an option uh, anymore. The idea that you're selling out, hmm, I don't know if I can purely say that that is not the case. The way I see it is as a way to use my creative talents, words, and ideas, and conveying that to change the way people think about stuff or to have some impact in the world, whether it be helping a business grow or or making something known. Part of it, I think, is that it's it's really, really fun. If I was suddenly given the realistic option of do you want to write a screenplay for a movie or do you want to make an ad for something, boy, screenplay for a movie sounds a lot sexier. I, I would say it's a lot harder. You know, it's a lot harder to, to get in that door. And so do I feel like advertising is a, a substitute for that? Yeah, you know, to, to some degree. Is it pure an art form as those things Absolutely not. Do I feel better about crossword puzzles? I mean, the crossword puzzles are, gosh, you know, there's a couple million people around the world doing my crossword puzzle. That, that feels pretty good, but I can't make a living from it. So I don't know. I guess there's some kind of, some kind of trade-off there. Now, Fred, we're just about coming up on time. Do you have a, 
I guess one last question for Martin. My question would be a bit of a, a comment on, on Martin's statements, because again, uh, advertising, I think, is a great way of informing the public of very important messages and information they should have about uh, uh, products or uh, organizations. Can we come back, discuss some of the things that came up in this interview with a little more depth? Absolutely. Just let me know when. Hey, Martin, thanks for joining us today. No problem. I look forward to talking to you guys again. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.